Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here. And thank you, Nicolas, for putting together another significant forum on operational excellence in shipping. Ladies and gentlemen, the shipping industry and we all are living in a new era and we experience conditions that perhaps no one could have imagined just a few months ago. From the accustomed space of our office to the crew on board, to ports, airports, agents, bankers, shipyards, the entire world, if you wish, we were asked in a very short time to operate and perform from our limited space of our home or to stay on board for much longer than we thought. While someone could think that the entire world stands still when the pandemic hit, I believe the shipping industry acted fast and reacted to the new challenges and the ship continued to sail and deliver goods around the world but not without challenges and difficulties. To discuss the navigating plans in this new framework, we have a panel of highly respected executives from several shipping sectors that I present now, starting with Heraklis Prokopakis, Chief Operating Officer of the Naos Corporation Managing Containers, Stavros Katsigrigoris, Chief Executive Officer of Maran Gas Maritime Managing LNGs, Nikos Reskos, Chief Operating Officer of Star Bulk Carriers, Managing Bulk Carriers. Theo Baltazis, Chief Operating Officer of Technomar Shipping, Managing Containers and Bulk Carriers. And George Saroglu, Chief Operating Officer of Chakos Energy Navigation, Managing Tankers. Ladies and gentlemen, before I turn to our panelists, allow me to just make one statement on the Liberian flag experience during the last few months. As we were offering our services based on 75% electronic platform, COVID-19 forced us to become 100% digitized as we were able to offer all services and even remote safety inspection by using technology and its tools. But, but equally important, we are experiencing a new era in cooperation, not only within our organization, but also with all industry stakeholders that we interact and work together. And yes, it was challenging. To hear more on the current issues, challenges and the future, let me tell to our panelists, start with Heraklis. How did COVID-19 affected the container market, Heraklis and your company? Well, these are two different but also connected things. The container market at the beginning of the year did not actually realize what was going to happen. And this realization did not come true until end of February, uh, middle of March. Uh, by middle of March, uh, after the lockdown of uh, the starting of lockdown uh, in Europe and um, United States, although things started to work gradually in China, the demand collapsed. Uh, that was a very big hit to uh, the liner companies and uh, the liner companies uh, reacted uh, relatively quickly and they started blank sailings. 
um, uh, this um, uh, situation uh, with these uh, blank sailings, they managed to maintain the rates of the boxes uh, at uh, reasonable levels. And together with the uh, uh, collapse in the prices of fuel, uh, the bottom line of the liner companies, whilst the trading volume was substantially reduced, was not so much affected. Gradually, however, the cost-cutting measures of the liner companies affected the charter owners like us. And um, um, for example, a vessel of 8,000 TU at the beginning of the year that uh, we used to charter this vessel for a couple of years at uh, uh, high 20s, uh, if you have an opening today, uh, you are lucky to get uh, uh, middle uh, tens or uh, even below. Uh, therefore, the actual uh, charter market for the spot vessels uh, is been uh, collapsing. Uh, charters are um, very hesitant to charter uh, uh, open tonnage and they are delivering uh, existing tonnage uh, and um, they are trying for uh, good vessels to locate at very low rates long-term charter. So uh, in summary, today we have a situation where the rates for the box rates are holding reasonably well, but the charter rates uh, have collapsed below 35%. Thank you, Heracles. Nikos, what about the bulk carriers? Well, I, um, well, we should look at uh, what happened uh, in principle. I mean, shipping is all about expecting the, the unexpected, right? But I think we, no one could have expected what actually happened over the last uh, uh, three, four months. Uh, the coronavirus outbreak affected China during Q1 and the rest of the world in Q2. We saw demand on commodities, especially the energy sector, collapsing. We saw the world coming to a complete halt. The, as this was not enough, we saw OPEC Plus wanted to take steps to increase its uh, market share in the market by pumping up uh, production, which brought Brent down to its knees since, uh, I think, the 90s, down to $16. I mean, uh, what else could have gone wrong? Uh, dry bulk uh, was badly affected because of uh, speed, which was not adjusted, as everyone expected, with the new IMO 2020 regulations kicking in. Uh, bunker prices remained low, so uh, the market was hit uh, pretty badly. Cape rates were hit. Brazil uh, output was affected uh, uh, down 30% year-on-year uh, on exports. We saw global industrial production go down, China first. Uh, in February, and then followed by the rest of the world, steel production globally down by about 6.67%, and coal uh, uh, stockpiling in India and China just as a result of this uh, slowdown. Uh, it was pretty bad during Q1, um, but things are looking better, better now. Uh, Theo, would you like to... Uh... 
say a few things since you are exposing both containers and bulk carriers. <clears throat> yes, thank you, Mihaly. Uh, thank you for inviting us here. Uh, in principle, Heraclis and Nikos more or less cover our area of uh, trading, which is containers and bulk. Indeed, uh, uh, the containers, uh, comparatively speaking, were hit more uh, than the bulk is in that particular period. We have seen uh, uh, a lot of uh, unexpected uh, early deliveries. We haven't planned for that, but indeed all the charters did deliver the ships very early. For the long period times after ships, we've seen idling times, uh, for example, three, four weeks uh, doing nothing. Uh, at the same time, uh, we've seen uh, uh, the average number of containers carried per ship uh, drop substantially. I'm talking about the ships that we have on uh, long period time charter. Uh, the majority of our ships uh, are long period time charter and whatever you know uh, came out of uh, time charter stayed idle for uh, a few weeks prior to getting a new uh, trade. Uh, that is for the containers. The average uh, drop on uh, rates, uh, according to our statistics, came out to be something in between 30 to 35%. Uh, for sure, the majority of the ships had a problem, but uh, I would have expected something more dramatic, to be honest. Comparatively speaking, what happened into land, and uh, if you see that uh, what is happening into uh, our uh, container trade. Uh, as far as the bulk is concerned, Nick was, uh, uh, went all the details, all the way down to the details that uh, he mentions are absolutely correct. Uh, I have to say that none of the ships stopped. Nevertheless, uh, the actual uh, rates were indeed uh, even 40% down, comparatively speaking, from uh, Q3. Uh, expectations are uh, better right now. Uh, uh, I believe that uh, barkers will recover faster than the containers, uh, but uh, of course we'll keep our fingers crossed that uh, both these sectors will see better times uh, because the majority of uh, the Greek market relies on these two sectors. Theo, uh, Stavros, what about the uh, LNG market? how it is coping. I'll tell just a few things about the LNG market and also mention the practical problems that we are facing with the operation of the, of the vessels. Uh, the price of LNG as a commodity has dropped. We have seen cargos uh, being cancelled and uh, we now have uh, brokers, uh, LNG specialized brokers that uh, they say there will be a, 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 an oversupply of the fleet uh, to 2025. Um, the problem, I think, is the world recession, and nobody can argue that uh, uh, the, wo the world economy is in a recession now, and that this recession is not something that will, uh, will, uh, will come back uh, within a year or two. So this is the major issue that we have with uh, LNG, with the trading of the LNG vessels. Uh, for practical uh, issues, uh, we have problems with the dry docking of the vessels. We have shipyards that have locked down. We have countries that have locked down. Uh, we have problems with the traveling of the service engineers. Uh, we had to postpone dockings. 
and uh, I don't believe that uh, I, I, I believe that we will have a second. Uh, now the shipyards are free, but we will have a second uh, bottleneck, a, a bottleneck, maybe the first uh, towards the end of uh, towards the start of next year, if this situation gets better by the beginning of next year. Uh, crew changes have become a problem. Uh, we see now that uh, we have four months uh, on for the LNG vessels. Maybe we have spoiled the guys, but this is what we have. And people are complaining strongly. Uh, we see more problems with the ratings. It's the Filipino crew than what we see with the Greeks that uh, we employ as we fly the Greek flags for the LNG vessels. Uh, spare parts is a problem, but the biggest problem of all is the uncertainty. One day, something is working, travel is allowed, the next day you see that travel is not allowed, you have to do a 14 days quarantine. And this is more or less the practical problems that we are faced with. Not only the LNG fleet, of course, all the fleets. Thank you, Stavros. Um, George, I left you at the end to tell us on the tanker market, because most likely you made a pile of money during these last three, four months since you have a lot of tankers, all kinds and sizes. So what is the assessment on the tanker market? Well, of course we can't complain, but uh, when we were viewing uh, the start of the year, the expectation was to be another year where global oil demand will grow by a million or 1.2 million barrels per day in continuation of the growth that we have seen since the last uh, financial crisis of 2008, 2009. We expected uh, growth of U.S. sale oil and exports to continue, which adds to the tone mile. And so the, the, the market uh, had a, a strong uh, uh, tailwind from the fourth quarter of uh, last year, and we started the year very strongly until this uh, uh, health crisis broke up in uh, China, and China went on holidays and then on uh, the lockdown. Rates came down, then we had uh, this uh, of the first OPEC failed meeting in early March, which ended up in a price war, which uh, basically resulted in an oversupply for the market, which helped again because you had a lot of uh, vessels that uh, have been chartered, especially the larger units, the VLCCs, to transfer these uh, cargoes that were coming out of Saudi Arabia and the rest of the AG countries. And uh, then the world realized that as we had different parts of the world going into mandatory lockdown and demand was coming down, uh, since we were not uh, commuting, we were not uh, going to our offices, we were not uh, traveling, 60% of global oil demand is transportation fuels. And therefore, uh, analysts started to realize that this oil had to go somewhere because it's very difficult to shut down, to shut in the production of, uh, of, of oil. You just don't close the pumps so easily. And so uh, storage in the inland became more scarce. And at the end of the day, the obvious choice was uh, storage at sea. And that, uh, I think, uh, had a very strong, uh, added more to the strong uh, tailwinds. And we ended up, I think, uh, having a very, very good uh, market. The Super Contango helped uh, uh, as well. 
Uh, the worst month, I think, for global oil demand, which at some point in April was down by 25 or even more million barrels per day from 100 million at the start of the year was April. That's why we've seen uh, Brent prices go from 65 at the start of the year to 16. And for a day, WTI prices going to negative territory, which is something that we've never expected uh, to see. Uh, however, all these things change with the new OPEC uh, meeting and the G20 uh, meeting, which from there on the sentiment gradually changed. April is behind us. Demand is picking up as, a, as and as China has opened up, uh, we, we hear and we see that the demand of oil is picking up to the almost pre-COVID-19 levels. And so the expectation for the rest of the world that is opening, in, you know, uh, there is a time delay in the opening because uh, the virus came here uh, with the, the time delay. We are also expecting USA and uh, Europe to do, you know, similar, similarly. So the market stayed strong. Right now, there is, uh, you know, a small uh, a pause, I think, as we head into the summer months. But the expectation is for our market to stay strong because, the, the, you know, the order book is very low compared to historical numbers and demand will grow from this, uh, from the levels that, uh, the low, very low levels of uh, April. So we are positive. Um, we are going to the next uh... Uh, type of question. I mean, Stavros mentioned a few, some of the difficulties with shipyards and uh, plants. Nikos, I will start from you. How much the company change plan or investment or adjust or uh, all of this scrubber installation for the entire fleet and how that, how much you have been affected? Well, when, uh, when the virus first started in China, we had the uh, Two major concerns. One was to complete the remaining 17 of our 113 scrubber installations, ships that were already arrived in Chinese shipyards. That was a, a major concern uh, where we managed to deal with the situation effectively and completing everything by March. But that was a difficult time with uh, time, downtime increasing significantly. I saw reports uh, from Clarkson's on days uh, on installation from 40 to 52. I can tell you that uh, we were scared uh, several times that this could have been a multiple of that. And I know a lot of people are still stuck in shipyards. We managed to get out of the yards and everything is now in operation. The second concern we had, of course, was the direction of the fuel spread. We started in January with a VLSFO, HSFO differential, the high five at $400. So uh, all good news. Uh, soon everything changed. Uh, the market collapsed. Oil prices, HSFO went down uh, around 45% and VLSFO around 55%. So uh, having a differential of uh, 60 to $80 was not something to write home about, but with a combination of having um, done some hedges on the differential earlier in the year at excess $200, uh, operating scrubbers proved to be a natural hedge for us. So basically improving our bottom line and ending up making uh, some money out of a very difficult quarter. So uh, that's where we are today. In terms of uh, new buildings, we see a slippage in dry bulk of, about, of a global fleet of about 27% uh, or about 17 million uh, dead weight. This, of course, will hit the market in Q3, uh, May or June or July, let's say, Q2, Q3. So far, 
what we see with iron ore exports increasing from Brazil and Australia, uh, it seems to be compensating for the new deliveries. The market is going up over the last uh, three weeks. Demolition came to a standstill, as you know, with many vessels waiting to beach. Uh, things are looking better, bottleneck is out. We've had 20 capes and 10 VLOCs scrapped uh, so far this year, and we had some good news. I think it was in March with Vale announcing 25 of its converted VLCCs heading for demolition, eight of which have already gone. So we started pretty badly. Things are looking better now. Um, and we feel Q3 and Q4 should be better for dry bulk. Thank you, Nikos. Uh, Theo, would you like also to uh, give us a few words on how many changes in Technomar? plans, investments? Well, uh, as a matter of fact, at the beginning of the year, we didn't have any uh, obvious uh, investments plan regarding uh, new buildings. And uh, of course, nothing has changed. We had uh, a couple of ships that they were due to go for demolition. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't manage uh, to sell them uh, uh, as early as uh, the end of uh, January. So what happened, we ended up getting extensions, uh, a couple of extensions and trade the ships for uh, another five months. Uh, now things are changing, uh, demolition market seems that it's opening again. And uh, we'll, uh, these two ships will head for demolition within the next month, early, late this month, early next month, they should have gone. Uh, as far as uh, uh, scrubber installation are concerned, uh, we, have a, we have a very moderate uh, plan, uh, total uh, number of three ships that will be installed for, with scrubbers. As a matter of fact, two of them are right now in the process of being installed and another one will be towards the end of September in the yards. Uh, there are difficulties there, tremendous difficulties, even in Korea that we do the installation. And uh, we anticipate that uh, the delay is going to be uh, dramatic. Uh, now, with the difference uh, being uh, below the hundred dollars, I know I don't really know how worth it's going to be. But uh, I believe that uh, towards the end of the year, next year, the differential is going to be higher, and uh, we'll have uh, these three ships uh, ready installed and operating the scrubbers. They are big ships. Uh, scrubbers do make sense for these huge ships, and they are containers, of course. As far as the buckets are concerned, there's nothing in uh, ahead for scrubbers. Thank you, Theo. Stavros, how much the LNG new building sector was affected, changed uh, due to the pandemic, the COVID? I don't believe that the new building sector has been affected by COVID. The new building sector has been affected by the oversupply that I mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, there are uh, today there are about 125 LNGs on order. Out of these 125 LNGs, about 40 will be looking for employment. And of course, we have a, a, a number of new projects like Mozambique, like Qatar, like uh, like Cell, like ExxonMobil, which are uh, ships that go to a project. But uh, I will repeat what I said before, that uh, uh, the, the, the Korean yards are hungry, and despite the fact that they are hungry, 
the orders that have been placed uh, this year are very, very low. And of course, the project, the project vessels that I mentioned before are projects that have not materi materialized up to today. They will. Uh, George, any dramatic plan or investment changes in the tanking sector of uh, Chakos Energy due no. to the pandemic? No, uh, uh, you know, the, the plans stay the same as we had them before uh, uh, the pandemic. Uh, I mean, the biggest change for us was the way we operated. We, oper we adapted very quickly to operating remotely, like I think everybody. We faced the same problems with, uh, you know, crew uh, changes uh, and the traveling uh, restrictions. We have a fleet that is uh, quite uh, young and we have seen uh, that uh, demand uh, for time charters, demand for tonnets from our clients is there, is very healthy, remains strong. We have managed to take uh, advantage uh, in this uh, period by extending, uh, uh, you know, a big part of the fleet on uh, on time charters with profit sharing that uh, capture the upside uh, of uh, the market and we are more a client driven uh, you know we have this philosophy of client driven uh, company we are here to meet uh, the demands and requirements of uh, our uh, oil, oil majors and the rest of the clients so having a young fleet i mean we're not going to go out uh, buying uh, more tonnets just for the sake of uh, of buying the, 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 the overall uh, policy and commercial strategy continues uh, without interruption regardless of the pandemic. The adaptations that we have to do well, had to do with the operations which so far have worked very, very well. Thank you, George. I mean, at least I want to end this round with you because I saw that during the last three, four months, the Naos has bought second-hand containers. Was it a good time uh, to buy? Uh, Michalis, these uh, transactions, they were actually, they had taken place uh, prior to the, uh, to the um, globalization of this uh, pandemic. And it was uh, the delivery that uh, took place uh, during the, this period. Uh, actually, um, uh, it was a, a very new experience uh, having to take a delivery of a, a second-hand vessel, a new vessel to your fleet during the pandemic. And we had to uh, agree with the sellers uh, hybrid solutions um, with the crew on board in order to take delivery uh, with the crew of the sellers. Uh, until uh, to be in a position actually to take over uh, the vessel with our own crew. Um, that was a very new experience. Uh, during the 40 years I've been into the industry, I haven't seen any delivery which was only on paper and uh, money exchange, but it happened. Uh, Regarding the scrubber installation, um, yes, some of our vessels were stuck in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, the budgeted period of 50 days became easily 116 days. 
Of course, uh, the deals were structured deals, so the cost was uh, somehow apportioned between the parties, uh, but it was um, a very unfortunate situation. Uh, like uh, every other company, we had uh, and we still have uh, substantial issues with the crew changes. Um, I can only give you a number where uh, the usual 250 uh, crew changes uh, per quarter or 300, uh, they became uh, only 50. So people had to stay on board for a long time. We are trying to manage the situation, but uh, uh, unfortunately, governments and IMO were extremely slow and still they have done nothing really to address the issue. And uh, it is a problem and uh, will maintain to be a problem because of the uncertainty that uh, Stavros said before uh, with the openings and the closings of uh, uh, hub uh, airports and this sort of situation. So there we are. Thank you, Heraklis. Uh, George mentioned that it was a challenge uh, to operate during the lockdown and uh, the digital integration of the office and the vessel. So I will start with George. Uh, how ready was the company for the digital integration uh, during the lockdown days? I think we discovered that we were more prepared than uh, you know, we, we, we expected to be, although with the technology there is always things uh, that uh, more things that you need uh, to do, but the important thing for us was to make sure that uh, our vessel operated first of all, both onshore and offshore uh, uh, personnel remained uh, in in 24/7 uh, contact, and that we had uh, no downtime, no delays in our operations, and I think. We succeeded uh, very well, and of course, uh, at the same time, uh, we wanted to make sure that we had no COVID-19 incident on board uh, our vessels. I think we succeeded uh, in all uh, the things that we had as uh, a priority. And of course, we have uh, to thank uh, very much uh, the crew on board for their uh, hard work, diligence, and uh, you know sacrifices because being there, extending their contracts, you know, having no other basically option or possibility, and at the same time worrying about your families back home, it, it creates uh, stresses, it creates a lot of uh, issues. But uh, thank God, so far so good, uh, and that was, I think, the biggest uh, issue and challenge that uh, we had to, to deal with. Thank you, George Stavros. Um, the if the digital integration during this lockdown was successful. A, a modus of operate, operation work from home, you think it is suitable for our industry, for shipping? I always want to see my friends and not to talk to my friends uh, remotely. Uh, listen, uh, working from home, from home was the norm for our industry for weekends, for, uh, you know, it was happening. Uh, we closed our office completely during the initial period of the, of the crisis, and we managed to operate 100% from home. Uh, 
the new, uh, let's say, procedure that we have seen in Japan is that we are now doing uh, uh, discharge operations without anybody from the terminal coming on board the vessels. The Japanese, they call, they call it contactless operation, and this is something that uh, has also been successful. Uh, uh, we can do class surveys uh, remotely. Uh, we thank the flags that we are more uh, uh, willing to accommodate remote surveys than what the class societies were. The original uh, response from class societies is uh, we can consider it, but we need permission from flag. Uh, but uh, I mean, we cannot operate 100% remotely uh, for a long time. This is, this, this is my personal view. Thank you, uh, Stavros. Iraklis, how ready was uh, Danaos that has also the branch of uh, software uh, developing, etc.? Look, the, the remote um, uh, operation was uh, in two pillars. One was the communication and the remote maintenance with the vessels. And the other one is the working for home, from home. Um, both of them, uh, they went very well. And um, we had the opportunity actually to test uh, remote maintenance uh, and monitoring of performance without having the people in the office where if something goes wrong, um, you have the operator, you can check it and correct it. Um, uh, monitoring the performance and um, uh, the superintending works on board uh, from home uh, it was a challenge, but it went uh, very well. And it was a total integration between the office, the vessel, and the home. So we are very satisfied. And um, uh, everything went very well. Thank you, Heracles. Nikos, I just want a short uh, statement, and also Theo to follow, on the digital integration during this period, your companies, respectively? Well, operating out of five locations and with 300 employees, uh, we have done our contingency plans and uh, cybersecurity planning, but you never know how this will work until you actually go through it. So we did, uh, only with one day testing uh, before basically going home, heading home. Everything worked pretty well. Uh, crew did endure most of the trouble of having to be remote for months and uh, over their original contracts. We managed to change some of our processes that would otherwise have taken a couple of years to do. For example, some spares and uh, store approvals. How quickly can you turn something around, coming from the vessel and going back to the ship? And we ended up doing 17 of our scrubber installations remotely, just with our Chinese uh, superintendents. So all in all, we were pretty happy with the results, something that would not have been possible to test uh, unless we went through something like this. Theo? Well, uh, surprisingly, we were pretty ready to do the, uh, this digital integration with our company. Uh, of course, uh, we as a principal, uh, the core of uh, management team never left the office from day number one. 
and we are pretty stuffed uh, in the office, despite the fact that all of us from the management team, uh, over the last uh, 20 years, we are doing remote operation uh, from home. Uh, however, I have to say that uh, since all of us are pretty happy with the digital integration that we achieved through our companies, uh, that doesn't mean that uh, the traditional way of going around and doing things, the speed, the human element that is involved in our, uh, let's say, uh, environment uh, has to go. Okay, we can do it, but uh, I have to say, and I believe that Stavros said more or less the same, that the human uh, uh, element doing business, you know, seeing face to face somebody and going along, uh, in the office is very, very important. Uh, of course, uh, doing remotely what the superintendent has to do uh, from home or from office, still, it is a challenge. Uh, we came up with a pretty good uh, program that uh, we are quite happy uh, doing, let's say, this operation uh, remotely. Uh, but I have to say that uh, I'm a strong uh, supporter of uh, uh, the humans, uh, you know, come in contact and do business together. Thank you, um, Theo. I, I want to go back to Stavros, uh, who uh, spoke on, on uh, the uncertainty in the world. And I want to, um, to ask, uh, so going forward, being in a, in a major LNG company, of, uh, uh, what is the expectation? Okay, what are the contingencies and the expectation for the future? This is not uh, something that I can reply easily, Mihaly. Uh, I think that uh, for, a, for a period we will keep doing what we have been doing for the first uh, three, four months of the, of, of the crisis. Uh, I don't believe the crisis will, uh, will, will uh, cease to exist unless there is a medicine or a vaccine uh, uh, available. Uh, so, we have to continue to try to do our best. We have to continue to push uh, port authorities to accept that uh, uh, seamen must be, uh, must be at some point repatriated. They are special type workers. They are not uh, working in a factory and they cannot stay on board for, for forever. And we have to see what we can do with, uh, with the other issues that I mentioned before, dry dockings, extensions, all these things. Uh, I think a lot will depend on how the crisis will develop. If it gets worse, and uh, everybody's hoping that it will not get worse, we have to revisit what we have been doing uh, today. Thank you, Stavros. George, your assessment in brief? More or less, I agree with uh, Stavros' assessment. Uh, and, and I think uh, the sentiment changes uh, quickly with the news uh, that come out of uh, the virus. So if uh, we, we, we have a days or a few weeks that we have no new cases or the cases uh, are low in number, global cases, then I think everybody gets a little bit uh, more positive uh, sentiment and then uh, the numbers start uh, following suit. If uh, you have a couple of uh, days or weeks uh, where you have more uh, reported uh, uh, new cases, then I think everybody is thinking again about the second wave. I think we have to, we will not uh, really return back to normal when whatever the word normal uh, will be in the future. 
until we have a, a vaccine. And we, in the meantime, we have to be ready to adapt to whatever, you know, the, the, the operating scenario will be out there. Okay, Nikos, Theo, and Iraklis, uh, just a brief uh, reply as we are running close to end of the session. Well, the, the macro environment remains very uncertain due to the virus. I agree with uh, the rest of the panel. Uh, we are all hoping for recovery in industrial production. Dry bulk is looking a bit better for a second half of this year. We see global infrastructure programs taking place uh, across the world. We're now reading uh, the Trump administration getting ready for a one trillion program to come in line in September. So perhaps uh, 2021 should be better. Energy markets are coming back and the high five spread we believe uh, will return. Thank you. Uh, Theo, just uh, a statement. Look forward 2021. That's our major concern. Thank you, Iraklis, also. Um, just one thing, um, uh, linking with the previous question, uh, cybersecurity was a uh, very important issue during this period. Um, and um, it was highly tested and uh, improved uh, because of the opening of the systems uh, uh, much more than it used to be before. Now, on the looking forward, I think that it's very difficult to be proactive. Uh, you are, um, uh, you, you, we are working on a reaction basis. Uh, we also believe, however, in line with our clients, that between the first quarter of 21 to the second quarter of 21, things will uh, start to normalize and come back uh, almost to the normal. So really, we are looking for the first quarter of 21, second quarter of 21. Thank you all for participating. Thanks the audience for attending and Nicholas uh, for uh, putting together the, another uh, uh, forum. Let's hope for the best, either 2020 or 2021. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Please head Thank to the Capital Link chat room, which is a general lounge, if you want to meet speakers um, and network. Uh, yeah, Stavros, if you would like, there is one question on LNG in the chat room about uh, LNG's uh, uh, of, uh, flexible gas capacity from 3,000 to 20,000 cubic meter, so they can be both bankering and trading LNG vessels. If you go to the chat room to reply to this. Okay, we'll go to the chat room, but this is... Yeah, you see chat room. Actually, Q&A. Uh, next to the chat room, there is a Q&A. Okay. Uh, if you hit Q&A, you will see. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.